0: as people are messaging me saying, Isaiah, this has been the hardest time of my life. People that are in the hospital, people that are sick right now is a time where the body of Christ needs to rise up in the supernatural realm. Like never before. I was just reading while we were camping, by the way, I'm home for one day. Then I'm going back out on vacation with the family until Wednesday. I was just reading Paul. Paul was saying, I want to tell you spiritual things. He said, but you're still struggling in the natural realm. Friend, I'm telling you the time of the church being natural is over, There are supernatural things that God is trying to release and God is trying to do. And the only way you're going to get through the trials and the times that we're living in is if you begin to develop a supernatural life of praise, a supernatural life of prayer, a supernatural life of of intercession and expectancy. This is how David would cure himself as he was going through trials. He would cure himself of impatience. He would cure himself of anxiety and stress depression and heartache uh, through worship, through praise and through prayer. Uh, And there's a lot of us that have no prayer life. Uh, There's a lot of us that have no praise life. Uh, There's a lot of us that have no worship life. Uh, And we're wondering why we feel like we're falling off during these trying times. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, the only way that we are going to get through the trial that we're going through as a nation, uh, the only way we're going to get through the trial that we're going through as the body of Christ uh, is beginning to develop a real prayer life in our everyday life. It's easy to think we have a prayer life. It's easy to say we have a prayer life, but what's not easy is to actually have a prayer life. When we look at our life and say, how much have I actually spent in prayer? How much have I actually spent in praise? Is there an expectancy in my everyday life that God is the only one that can deliver me from the moments and the toughness that I'm going through? Sometimes when you're at a place, come on, I wish I was preaching to Somebody, let me know in the comments. Uh, when you're at a place where you don't know what to do, uh, you have to go back to what you did in the past and what you know works. Come on, share this. Uh, sometimes when you don't know what to say or don't know what to do in life, uh, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in your family, whether that's in your finances, uh, or whether that's in your business, you have to go back to the times you knew God broke in. Uh, you have to go back and remind yourself of the goodness of God you have to say, I know that praise works. I know that prayer works. I know that fasting works. I know that worship, it works. I know that holiness works. I know that deliverance works. And so I might be trying all these other things to try to get me delivered or get me set free. But sometimes I need to just go back to what I used to do. That's why the Bible says, hang on to what you did in the beginning. Some of you lost the fire that you once had, you lost that first love passion that you once had. One of my prayers is, Lord, I don't want to lose the passion that I started with. How many of you in the chat know how easy it is to be complacent, how easy it is to not have passion, how easy it is to not be consistent in your prayer life, how easy it is to not be excited and to not be desperate. But I don't want to take the route that's easy. I want to take the route that cost me something. I want my Christian life to not be this watered down American cheap gospel. And this is one thing that we're finding during this pandemic is that we have created such a watered down cheap gospel. And so many people believe and so many people think that because they entered a building on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, they're Christian. And that is not what makes you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's every week does not make you a cheeseburger, what makes you a Christian is that you live a supernatural life and that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that you don't just talk it or you don't just say it, but you actually walk it out. I've been thinking this all week on our vacation. I've been saying, Lord, I actually want to be a real believer. I actually want to know you in the secret place. I actually want to have a relationship. I want to hear your voice. I refuse to live my life on on the fringes of some dead religious system and to show up to church once a week and never encounter the presence of God. And I want to tell somebody tonight that feels like they're in bondage. I want to tell somebody tonight that feels sick in body that Jesus is the master physician, that even in a stream, there's over 500 of you. Come on, share this right now that are listening. And there's a, there's a there could be 500 of you in the stream tonight, but God can actually tailor make the message to fit every single person. Person. God has a way of prescribing each person what they need. I've had come people come up to me after service and say, man, you said this and it was exactly what I needed. And truth is, I don't even remember saying that. I just know I was letting the Holy Spirit speak through me and God was tailor making the message to fit what they needed. I remember one time I had this message on the prostitute that broke the alabaster box and I had this message in me for like six months. I wanted to preach it every week. I tried to preach. It. And the Lord kept saying, no, you can't preach that message. I was getting so frustrated. I was saying, Lord, I want to preach this message. I think it's really good. It's really going to be powerful. And so for months and months and months, I kept trying to preach it. I kept trying to preach it. People say, Isaiah, why don't you use notes when you preach? Because I want to be in a place where I let the Holy Spirit hijack my message and take over my message. And I don't want to be stuck on notes and stuck on my own agenda. And so six months went by and I didn't preach the message. And then one day I began to preach that message at the awakening, and this lady came up to me at the very end crying. She said, Isaiah, I'm a prostitute in a city about 30 minutes away, and I've been wanting to come to church for months, but I haven't been able to. She said, but somebody invited me tonight, and can you imagine the night that I showed up, you preached on a prostitute, and the Lord touched me tonight. Why? Because God has a way of prescribing you exactly what you need. God has a way of giving you exactly what you came for. And I believe tonight is going to be your night of breakthrough. I heard the Lord saying earlier, Isaiah, tonight I'm going to break off secret sin in people, people that have been struggling with secret shame and secret sin and compromises that nobody knows about. See, it's easy to talk about the sin that we do around everybody when everybody's watching. But what about the compromise and the sin that we do when nobody's watching? You got to understand that a secret life of sin will destroy a secret life of prayer the reason why so many people have struggle and they have trouble praying in secret is because it's hard to pray in secret when it's the same place you sin in secret and God is breaking off secret sin in the body of Christ God is breaking off the lust and the perversion and the, 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 the I- adultery that is happening right now and the idolatry in the body of Christ And I believe tonight is a night where God is going to expose secret sin, that God is going to release a fire that is going to burn out every demonic plan, every demonic assignment and every thought that goes against his will. I'm telling you, people are starving right now for the truth. We, as the body of Christ, need to start actually believing what we're praying for. It's so easy to pray and not even believe that God is going to answer the prayer. As I was just thinking about today, how Peter was outside the door. When God broke him out of prison, the church was praying and Peter was outside the door. And the girl came and said, guys, the answer to our prayer is literally outside the door. And they didn't even believe that God was going to answer the prayer that we were praying. And so many times we pray and say, God, where is the answer? Come on. Is there anybody type one? If you know exactly what I mean to pray in front of a closed door. Have you ever prayed for that loved one, prayed for that? family member prayed for that position and it felt like you were praying and you were praying in front of a closed door it felt like you were praying and God was not even listening. See, sometimes you have to understand uh, when we're not seeing results, when we're not seeing breakthrough, when we're not seeing healing, uh, when we're not seeing change in that family member, uh, when we're not seeing change in that friend, uh, sometimes you have to understand that God is waiting on you. You don't have to keep waiting on God. Uh, sometimes you have to understand that the answer is actually standing at the door uh, and it's waiting for you to open up the fa- the door by faith. Uh, sometimes faith is a thing that opens the door and lets your prayer come in. Your healing is knocking at the door tonight. Your deliverance is knocking at the door tonight. Your miracle is knocking at the door tonight. Your unsaved kids are knocking on the door tonight. Come on, share this right now. Your unsaved parents are knocking at the door and I hear the Lord saying, it's time for somebody to open up the door and begin to believe what we're actually praying praying for, Uh, don't be so shocked when God begins to answer that prayer, Uh, we should be more shocked when God doesn't heal the person uh, than we are when God does heal the person, Uh, oftentimes I prayed in deliverance and I prayed for miracles uh, and they've actually come to pass uh, and I've been shocked saying I can't believe God actually answered my prayer uh, when all that did was that revealed the unbelief in my heart uh, and it's time to break the demonic spirit of unbelief uh, that is literally blocking our prayers from being answered unbelief is a ceiling that blocks our prayers from being answered unbelief is a demonic power that is preventing the people of god from actually walking in their destiny friend do you know how much your life would change if you begin to believe every prayer if you begin to examine yourself and say what would happen if i actually believed my prayers what would happen if i actually walked into a level of faith where I say, Lord, I'm believing every prayer I pray. See, because when you pray and you don't believe what you're praying, all you're doing is wasting your time. In fact, oftentimes God, the Bible says that the Lord would not hear their prayers when they would pray in unbelief or they would pray one thing and they would live another thing. When we pray and say, Lord, I know you're holy, but we don't walk holy. When we pray and say, Lord, I know you can heal the sick, but we don't actually lay hands on the sick. When we say, Lord, I know that you could do deliverances, but we never actually engage in deliverances. God is saying, I don't just want you to wait around and pray it, but I actually want you to walk it out. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help me break out of this mindset that you're finite and you're limited and help me to begin to pray impossible prayers. I'm tired of praying prayers that I could make happen. I want to pray prayers that I could say if it had not been for God. Is there anybody listening tonight in the chat that says there are miracles that have happened in my life, that there is no explanation outside the hand of God. There's no explanation how I survived that crash. There's no explanation how I didn't die. There's no explanation how I'm walking in deliverance. There's no explanation that I'm not addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs anymore. There's no explanation how for 10 years I had depression. And in one moment, uh, it was by prayer that God broke it free. Uh, Friend, I want to tell you that you're in this stream tonight and you are a result of somebody else's prayers. Uh, You are a result of somebody contending and somebody believing. Uh, See, but we have gotten lazy in the place of prayer. Uh, Pastors have gotten lazy in the place of prayer. Uh, And so no longer are we crying out to the Lord. Uh, No longer are we praying. Instead, we're running to social media, uh, telling everybody what God is trying to tell us and what God is doing and fighting everybody about health and fighting everybody about hydroxychlorine and mask and this and that. And I'm going, what if we didn't run the social media to battle each other and the church to fight each other? But what if we ran to the throne of God and say, Lord, you are the only cure for the sickness that is worse than Corona. And that's the sickness of sin. And Lord, we need you in America like we've never needed you before. Friend, I want to tell you to stop running to social media with all of your issues. When you're having issues in your marriage, you don't need to keep running to your aunt or your uncle or your mom or your cousin that's going to agree with you on how jacked up your husband is. You need to run to the throne and stop running to the phone and beginning to pray. See, here's what happens. A lot of you gossip about it before you pray about it and the Lord hates gossip. A lot of you complain about it before you pray about it. Uh, And the Lord hates complaining. Uh, And there is a spirit of complaining in the body of Christ. Uh, And God is saying, stop complaining about everything going on uh, and begin to pray, begin to cry out to me uh, and begin to watch breakthrough happen in your life. Uh, Friend, I want to tell you your aunt can't change your marriage. Uh, I want to tell you your cousin can't break your drug addiction. Uh, I want to tell you your mother-in-law is not your issue. Uh, I want to tell that the only only thing that's gonna change your stinking thinking uh, is an encounter with God in the place of prayer uh, the only thing that's gonna shift America is it when the church begins to pray uh, the only thing that's gonna change this nation uh, is if we begin to get a fire for prayer like we've never had before uh, we are in a season of examining ourselves right now in the body of Christ uh, there is an examining process taking place uh, In fact, Paul tells us uh, that we need to examine ourselves. uh, And I love when Paul says to examine ourselves because he says this. uh, When you examine yourself, be honest in your evaluation. Don't think you're better than you really are. See, we as believers have a tendency uh, into thinking that we're more spiritual than we really are. We have a tendency into thinking that we're more radical than we really are. We have a tendency into thinking that we're more dedicated and more on fire. uh, And we have more faith than we really are really do. Uh, And Paul says, stop being fake about it uh, and stop Acting like you're Mr. Spiritual and be honest when you begin to evaluate your prayer life. Be honest when you begin to evaluate your worship life. Come on, some of y'all are getting quiet up in the chat right here. Somebody needs to help me tonight. He said, You need to be honest and really be sure where you really are and stop acting like you're this on fire radical believer when really you sit around all day doing nothing and have no relationship with God. It's like when I was a teenager and I would always check my bank account how many know that even now when you check your bank account your bank account always has less than you think it has I, I can't count how many times i've walked to the atm and i've i've deposited money or i've withdrawn money and in my mind i thought okay this is how much money i have and then when i actually check my bank account it's always less than I, what i actually thought i had and this is exactly come on okay i guess i'm the only one cuz y'all are quiet tonight but this is exactly how we treat our spiritual life we we always think that we have more than we really do. Have you checked your spiritual bank account lately? I want to ask you how much is in your spiritual account? Would you be overdrawn because you've been trying to withdraw more than you've actually deposited? See, some of you are frustrated spiritually because you have nothing to withdraw from because you never spend time depositing. Understand that when I'm praying, come on, everybody just hit share right now. When I'm praying, i I'm depositing into my supernatural bank account. When I'm fasting, I'm depositing in my spiritual bank account. When I read and I'm studying late at night, I'm depositing in my supernatural bank account. So that when I'm praying for somebody, come on, this is good preaching tonight. When I'm praying for somebody, I'm able to withdraw what I have been depositing. Some of you wonder why when you pray for people nothing happens. It's because you're empty yourself and you're trying to fill them with something you don't have. I'm able to withdraw when I get up here to preach. Uh, Listen, I'm not just getting up here going, okay, let me just say what I feel. And let me just mouth off for an hour. Friend, you have to understand I'm withdrawing from what I have deposited. I've been depositing and now I'm able to withdraw. I've sat with guys and I'm not going to mention names, okay? Because some of y'all know him. That say that you know them that say, Isaiah, I, I want to learn to preach. I have sat with four or five different guys. And mo- they say, I want to learn to preach without notes. And I always tell them, understand there is no shortcut to preaching in the anointing. You have to spend time in the place of prayer. You have to spend time fast. You have to spend time crying out to God. You have to spend time studying the word and memorizing scriptures and reading books and asking the Lord to speak. You can't just get up there and think you're going to preach a message without a notepad. There's actually time spent in the secret place to be an end time messenger. See, they want it for free. What they're saying is, I don't want to spend time depositing. I only want to spend time withdrawing. And a lot of people want to withdraw on a stage and be famous preachers, but they don't want to deposit in the place of prayer they don't want to deposit in the secret place but understand that what happens on stage is a result of what you've done in the closet see that's why when I'm getting frustrated I'm going okay I'm frustrated right now but I've been depositing all week long so I can withdraw and there's breakthrough when I withdraw too many of you have been trying to withdraw from an empty spiritual bank account you say Isaiah I feel empty spiritually that's because you are empty spiritually you are overdrawn if you've ever been overdrawn I've been overdrawn one time before because a payment got messed up and got taken out and it's the worst feeling in the world to be overdrawn it's not that you're empty but it's that you're actually in the negative negative. and I'm telling you some of you are spiritually o- w- overdrawn your account and God says you've been overdrawn you've been in the negative you've not just been in the negative but here's what happens when you go into the negative spiritually when you go into the negative you become Negative. some of you are negative Nancy's you're negative about everything you're nitpicking at everybody and God is saying it's time to stop being so negative when your spiritual bank account is negative your personality is negative and that's why nobody wants to be saved because they don't want to be negative like you but see when your bank account is positive you can look at things with a positive outlook And say wait a minute I know it might not be going right but I have the mercy I have the grace of God I have the power of Christ living on the inside of me and it doesn't matter what I'm going through on the outside I know that God is leading me on the inside I know that God is guiding me that God is my spiritual GPS that I don't need map quests I don't need old technology I have a spiritual GPS called the Holy Ghost this is like nowadays I don't young people don't even Remember what it feels like to have to use to not have not have a GPS we are so reliant in these days on our GPS to get us where we need to go and it's amazing that you'll trust a GPS to get you to a physical location but you won't trust Almighty God to get you to a spiritual location you have to understand that God wants to lead you God wants to guide you God wants to protect you but too many of us are trying to have God lead us. But we've lost our connection with God. We've lost our prayer life. We've lost our worship life. And we feel like we are wandering because we are wandering. But you have to get to a place where you say, Lord, I need you to guide me every single day. See, when you lose connection and you stop having signal and you no longer depend on God guiding you, you have to pull over all the time and ask people for directions. How many know that when you lose GPS signal? or you get lost. uh, And for whatever reason, your phone disconnects. Uh, You have to stop and ask other people for direction. Uh, You stop asking God for direction and you start asking your girlfriend for direction. Uh, You start asking your boyfriend for direction. Uh, You start asking family members for direction. Uh, You start asking alcohol for direction. Uh, And God is saying, I'm the one that wants to direct you and lead you and guide you. Uh, See, the children of Israel had a GPS. It was not Siri, it was not a satellite, it was not iCloud, but it was the cloud, the Bible says that they followed the cloud wherever they went, they stayed close to the cloud, they stayed connected to the cloud, I'm telling you, you can get download from the cloud, you can get direction from the cloud, you can get protection from the cloud, I have to stay connected, I have to be connected to this man to get where I have to go, and Everybody has a destination that God has assigned them. And I'm on a road right now in my life. I'm on a journey and I'm on a path. And I can't look to famous preachers to guide me. I can't look to the newest revelation, dream, or prophetic word. Some of you need to stop reading every other prophetic word and say, I'm not following prophetic words on some magazine. I'm following the cloud of God. I'm telling you your entire life would change if you said, I'm going to be aware of where the cloud is going. I'm not going anywhere the cloud doesn't go. This is why Jesus says, I do nothing until the Father first does it. I'm following somebody. I'm not living my life on my own. And some of you, you make decisions without asking God. And then you got to, you ask God to bless the mess that you make. Some of you get jobs without asking God. You get married without asking God. You sign your kids up for things without, come on, help me without asking God you go places without asking God and the Lord is saying the brokenness and the dysfunction and the malfunction in your life is a result uh, of you not following the designed path that I have for your life. How do I follow the GPS of heaven? How do I follow the cloud of God? You have to have a relationship with him. See, it was Moses that was willing to go to the mountain. And when Moses would come down from the mountain, the cloud would come dwell in the camp. See, I go to the mountain. I go to the prayer closet and I encounter the presence of God. And then I'm able to hear him in my everyday life life I'm able to experience him in my everyday life I'm able to know him in my everyday life I love this one thing about GPS is that GPS has mercy built into it here's one amazing feature and y'all all of you have GPS you know exactly what I'm about to say here's one amazing feature about GPS is that when you take the wrong turn your GPS does not give up on you your GPS does not quit on you when you take one wrong turn or you take the wrong route or you don't take an exit. Your GPS doesn't say, I'm done with you. I give up, but your GPS will actually reroute you. And some of you have took the wrong turn. Some of you have messed up one too many times, but I hear the Lord saying, I'm getting ready to reroute somebody in the spirit realm. I'm getting ready to redirect somebody spiritually. I'm getting ready to make a new path. Even though you messed it up, isn't that the amazing thing about God that the Bible says uh, that he turns all things together, he works all things together uh, for the good of those that are called according to his purpose, Uh, that God says, I'm even, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this, Uh, I'm even going to make your mess ups look good, Uh, even the times that you messed up and you broke stuff and you jacked up, uh, God says, I'm even going to turn that around, turn it into part of your testimony, and I'm going to make you look good even when you messed up. I know it's hard for you to understand why you're going through what you're going through. I know it's hard for you to comprehend why there's so much bad happening around us. I know it's hard for you to understand now why God is doing what God is doing, but I came to tell somebody, don't be afraid that God is getting ready to reroute and reconnect and reassign that God is getting ready to make your mistakes even look good. God is getting ready to restore what the enemy tried to take the enemy has Tried to discourage you and I come against it now in Jesus' name. The enemy has tried to come in and bring doubt and bring unbelief and bring condemnation and anxiety. But I'm telling you, God is bringing breakthrough tonight. God is bringing a fresh fire tonight. Somebody needs to receive this tonight. God is bringing a fresh anointing and a fresh hunger in Jesus' name. God is getting ready to reroute something in your marriage. God is getting ready to reroute something in your finances. God is getting ready to make a spiritual wire transfer and going to begin to deposit something in you that's going to change this generation. You have to understand that God is the only one that can guide you. I want you to think about before you are saved, You had no direction. You were aimlessly living life, no reason to get out of bed. And I think sometimes we think of Christianity as some far off thing where you need to have all this faith and there's no evidence to prove our faith. But I want to tell you that there is overwhelming evidence that what we're preaching is the truth, that we are the evidence that God is alive and God is real. Somebody needs to try, someone needs to stop trying to tell everybody else's testimony and realize that your redeemed life is a prophetic picture to the power of God to our generation. Our generation is not waiting for you to quote somebody else. They're waiting for you to say, it was God that delivered me. It was God that set me free. Come on, somebody needs to thank him. Thank you, Lord, for directing me. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me out of that relationship. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Lord. You, Lord, for not letting me get that job. Thank you, Lord, for not letting me buy that house. Thank you, Lord, for not only what I've seen you do, but all the things you've prevented from behind the scenes, I didn't even see. It's not gonna make sense. Some of you say, Isaiah, I tell this to my family and I show my, you're preaching to them and it doesn't make sense. And they call me crazy. Understand, friend, the gospel that we are preaching, the Bible says is foolishness that is headed to destruction. If you're in here tonight, you say this sounds like foolishness it is a sign biblically that you are headed for destruction but Paul says for us that are being saved it's the very power of God Paul says I didn't come with some clever speech friend you know how easy it would be to come with some polished clever speech but Paul says I didn't come with clever speech and here's why he said for fear that the cross would lose its power Paul says I wanted to come with some clever argument but I was afraid that if I spoke in clever arguments or or spoke politically correct, uh, that the cross would lose its power. Uh, What Paul was saying is it's not a mental thing. It's a supernatural thing. Uh, It's the supernatural power that changes one's life, Uh, not an argument, not a debate, uh, not intellectually trying to figure it all out. Uh, And some of you have trying to been figuring out your situation intellectually, but it's not something you can perceive intellectually. It's something that you have to perceive spiritually. That's why Paul says it's foolishness to those that are headed for destruction because the world teaches to gain, 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 to live for yourself and don't worry about what happens when you die. Don't worry about eternity. Don't worry about others. Just get ahead. Just live for the moment and for the pleasure of now. What you're doing isn't a sin. There's no such thing as hell. Don't worry about God. He's not real. Just live for yourself. This whole cross thing is foolishness. It's childish. It's boring. And church is for people that have nothing better to do. And some of you are this way and you think, well, maybe when I'm 30, I'll serve God. I'm just not that religious type of person. But friend, I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where every choice you made on earth will have an eternal impact. Every choice you made on this temporary life is going to impact where you speak. forever the mind cannot comprehend forever the mind cannot grasp how long forever is and I don't know about you but eternity is too long to be wrong I'm not gonna mess around with my eternity I'm not going to play games with where I'm going to spend forever I need to get serious about what God is saying I need to get serious about what God is doing. This is what Paul is saying. These people are headed for destruction, but to us, it's the very power of God. The message of Christ and what he's done for us is the power of God. Understand it's not some sinner's prayer. It's not just some debate or some words, or we're not here for just talk to affect the way that you think it goes far beyond that, because it's all about the power of God changing our lives. Uh, that's why but the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not a lot of uh, not about a lot of talk uh, but it's about power and demonstration uh, Paul says let me sum up the kingdom of God it's not just going for 45 minutes on a Sunday morning uh, and hearing the intellectual sermon uh, that only reaches the mind but never impacts the spirit uh, he says understand the kingdom of God is about power and it's about demonstration and a lot of us are good at talking about it but we're not good." at demonstrating it, Uh, understand that there is power, I did not give my life and lay everything down uh, to be a part of a debate me club on Facebook uh, where we go back and forth debating each other about the gospel, Uh, I came with the power and the demonstration, Uh, there are people all throughout this chat that could testify uh, that I was suicidal, there are people that were drug addicts, Uh, there are people that said I hated God, there are people in the chat that were deceived, uh, that were full of anger and worry and all kinds of things, and it was only by the power of God that set us free. He turns our depression into joy. He turned our addiction into freedom. He turned our fear into boldness. He turned our anxiety into peace. He turned our chains into a testimony. It was only by the power and the anointing of Almighty God. Paul says, well, then where would this leave the philosophers? Where would this leave the scholars and the world's most brilliant debaters? The Bible says that God knew that the world would never know him through human wisdom. So the Bible says he uses foolish preaching to save those that believe. In other words, it's a supernatural thing tonight as I'm preaching. There is something supernatural. One guy just wrote me. It's 4 a.m. and he's in the chat right now. He's in another country. And he said, brother, I was watching your videos. I can't stop watching them 8 to 10 hours a day. He said, I don't know why, but I'm glued to the screen. But friend, I want to tell you, it's not my good preaching. It's not my human wisdom. It's not my looks, my intellect, or the way that I pronounce words. But I'm telling you, it is supernatural. God uses supernatural. He uses preaching supernaturally to change people's life. Paul says, no, you don't understand. It's foolishness. It's so simple to get up and talk. He says, but what you don't realize is that when you just get up there and you get on that microphone, you get behind the camera or you get up on that stage. He says, understand that in the unseen realm, something's stirring up. In the invisible realm, something is changing. I want to tell some of you as you listen tonight, you might not feel anything changing in the invisible realm. But right now I speak and I say because Paul said it, that something is happening in the supernatural realm as we preach. When we preach, we are throwing lifesavers out to those that are drowning, to those that are dying, to those that are sick to those that are in bondage, and some of you are trying to figure it out mentally, and I'm telling you, you never will. You're watching videos on deliverance, and saying, well, it doesn't make sense in my mind, and I'm telling you, it'll never make sense in your mind. You're watching the videos on healing, saying it doesn't make sense in my mind, how an eyeball can be created, how an eardrum can be created, but understand, it will never make sense, because the gospel was not made to be intellectually described. The gospel was not made to be argued or to be debated. The gospel is to be experienced. It is the power of God, and this is why Paul says you have to remember this, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. He said, but God chose the things that the world considered foolish to shame those who are wise so that those that seem powerful are actually powerless. He says, think about how messed up you were when God came to you. Think of the sickness, the depression, the anxiety, the state that you were in when God came to you. You were average at best. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to help me up in the chat. Stop acting like you were all that in a bag of chips. I know when we tell our testimony, we act like we had all these friends and we were Mr. Popular. Okay, I've done it. We've all done it. But Paul says, you got to remember who you were when God called you. Uh, He says, you were average at best. You were not qualified. He said, but something there God saw in you uh, when nobody thought that you were good enough, when nobody would have chose you, uh, when you were picked last in gym class. uh, He said, God looked at your life when your life felt pointless, uh, when you saw no value in yourself, Uh, and he said, I want you in my family. Uh, I want you to come join my army. Uh, I want you to come follow me. Uh, I know that you have nothing going for you in the natural sense. Uh, I know that you're not qualified. I know that you're weak. I know that you're uneducated. He said, but I want you to be a part of something that's going to change eternities. Uh, That's why Paul said he took those things that were nothing to the world, uh, that were nothing that was not important to the world to make that which is important seem like nothing he said we were nothing but God came and anointed us and gave us his power and gave us the ability to heal the sick gave us the ability to raise the dead gave us the ability to preach the gospel gave us the ability to save souls friend whether you like it or not you have the most important job in the universe and that's to preach the gospel to all creation We have the most important job in the world, and that's the preaching of the gospel. God has anointed you. God came and hand-selected you. When you were sick, when you were paralyzed, when you were lame, I mean, look at the people that God chose. Look at the people that God healed. They were usually the worst of the worst, but they all had one thing in common, and they were tired of living the way that they were. They were tired of being dysfunctional they were tired of being addicted Uh, i wonder if there's anyone in here tonight that would put their hands up and say lord i'm tired of being strung out lord i'm tired of not walking in power come on as I lose my voice Lord I'm tired of not experiencing your supernatural power and your supernatural authority but Lord I need you to touch me in a new way if you could touch the lame man I need you to touch me tonight friend I'm telling you God wants to do something supernatural to those that least expect it tonight some of you came in here you stumbled in here because somebody shared it by the way go ahead and share it right now you came in here because somebody shared it but I want to tell you that God God brought you in here for such a time as this. Jesus never went anywhere by accident. I was just reading this last week in John 5, where the Bible says he literally came to a place full of sick people, full of people that were beat down, broken, busted, and disgusted. And many of us in the chat are sick in body. Many of us in the chat are going through anxiety, are going through depression, are going through some type of trial. And I want to tell you that Jesus right now has your address that Jesus right now wants to encounter you and wants to touch you. See, the Bible says he showed up to the pool of Bethesda, which is interesting because the word Bethesda means the place of outpouring or the place of mercy. And many scholars say Bethesda represents the church, a place of mercy, a place of outpouring. We could literally, John 5, symbolically take Bethesda and represent the church and make those two things synonymous. A place like the church, where you're supposed to receive grace, uh, a place where you're supposed to receive mercy, uh, a place where you're supposed to be experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, a place where you're supposed to be receiving deliverance. Uh, it's so heartbreaking to me uh, how many of you say, Isaiah, I don't know where to get delivered. Yes, I go to a local church, uh, and yes, I have a pastor, but my church doesn't believe in deliverance. Uh, my church doesn't believe in miracles. Uh, I want to tell you that your church might not believe in miracles but Jesus believes in miracles. Your church might not believe in deliverance, but Jesus is the deliverer. He said, for this reason, I was made manifest to destroy the works of darkness. I'm telling you, God is going to destroy every demonic work. Some of you that have hexes and curses and spells and strongholds and generational curses, God says, I am going to demolish them. I am going to destroy them. That the anointing of God comes come on some of y'all got me too fired up i'm soaking wet sweating up in here but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and tonight we speak breakthrough every over every yoke we speak breakthrough over every person listening because jesus is coming to heal deliver and save so you have to understand the church was never intended to be a nice place for your family the church was never intended to be a place more focused on programs and events and babysitting adults the church was never intended to be a one-hour program where you gave God your leftover time. The church was made to be a training center to raise up soldiers in the army of God and a hospital for the broken, beat down, busted, and disgusted. And here's what's crazy about the pool of Bethesda is they're at a place by name that's supposed to be of healing, that's supposed to be of grace, that's supposed to be a place of breakthrough, but instead of being a place, of breakthrough miracle signs and wonders the Bible says in John 5 that the pool of Bethesda is full of blind lame and paralyzed people and understand just because we give something I got to be careful because I'm getting too far away from my mic here just because we give something a title doesn't mean that's what it is just because you call yourself A Christian, it does not mean you're actually a Christian. Just because we call churches churches doesn't mean biblically they're actually churches. Just because we say we're apostles, it doesn't mean you're actually an apostle. I know many people that say, Oh, I'm an evangelist and they don't cast out demons and they don't heal the sick. And if you go read the book of Acts, there's only one evangelist in the book of Acts and the Bible says he healed the sick and drove out demons. And let me just leave this here because some of y'all your theology is already getting all jacked up and you're already getting all irritated but there's not one pastor in the new testament that was pastoring a local congregation let me say that again there's not one person in the new testament called the pastor that had a local church yet what do we do in america everybody's a pastor oh you want to be a pastor oh you want to be a pastor i mean we're like oprah everyone gets a car it's everybody's an apostle everybody's a pastor everybody's an evangelist everybody's a prophet every church is a church. Yet understand that just because you label, just because it's called the Pool of Bethesda, just because it's called the place of mercy and the place of grace, doesn't mean people are actually getting grace or mercy there. And just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean, come on, share this. I know people are getting upset here, but it does not mean you are a Christian because your reality might be different than God's reality. I don't want to call myself something and then in heaven's perspective, be something completely different? Uh, is it possible to be in a place of grace uh, and be in a place of mercy uh, and to be in a place of outpouring, which is what the word means in the in the uh, Greek, uh, but actually be lame, actually be blind, actually be dead? Yes. Uh, and some of you, you go to church week after week after week uh, and you say, Isaiah, I still feel dead inside. Uh, come on, type one if I'm preaching to somebody. Uh, and you say, Isaiah, I'm still sick in my body week after week after week week, Isaiah, I still feel lame, I still feel paralyzed, why is it I'm still this way, after years showing up to the pool, why is it I haven't changed, why is it I'm still going through this, and I'm not condemning you tonight, I'm telling you that there is a way out, there is a reason why we can be in a place of mercy, but living the complete opposite, now I believe that there was three types there, and I believe there's three major types in the chat, and There's three major types that are living in the church at large right now. And that first one that John 5 describes is those that are blind. There are so many blind people right now in the body of Christ. It's people that have lost the ability to see what was standing right in front of them. Jesus told the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is standing right in front of you. And you don't even recognize it every day. You have this opportunity to advance my kingdom, to experience my kingdom, and literally it's available. It's right in front of you, but you choose to live your life doing other things instead of accessing the kingdom that's right in front of you. There's people that have lost their vision. They've lost their ability to see what God is doing in the supernatural realm. Let me tell you one of the leading causes of blindness in the American church, and that is social media. We are walking around all day long, I don't know if you can see this, with our head down staring at our phone, and we are unaware that the supernatural realm is raging all around us, and meanwhile, we walk around like spiritual zombies. We have lost our vision in the church. We have lost our desire to help those. We've lost our zeal to preach to people. Some of you, you just show up to service, but there's no real vision in you. There's no real eyesight in your life. There's no real passion to do a work for God. You've let something and somebody come and steal your vision. Something has blinded you. See, the Bible says that the devil blinds the minds of unbelievers. It doesn't say the devil blinds the mind of those that are not Christian. It says those that are unbelievers. And I've come to find after traveling and pastoring for 10 years, that there is so many unbelieving Christians, that there are so many unbelievers in the church uh, that come and sing songs and do the dance uh, and check their kids in for the program but they don't believe the word of God is true. Uh, They don't believe that they have the same spirit that raised Christ living on the inside of them. Uh, They don't believe that they have the power to lay hands on the sick uh, and they will recover. Uh, They don't believe that they have the power to bind and to to loosen. Uh, They don't believe that they have the spirit that could change, that could deliver and that could heal. Uh, And I don't know about you but i'm tired of living my life blind to what god is saying i'm tired of living blind to what god is doing i'm tired of being blind i need eyes that are open i need spiritual eyesight and spiritual vision your prayer and my prayer for this year now we could go in to every prophetic word about it was the year of 2020 vision. Okay, whatever. I'm not going to go into that, but I really do believe that the prayer of this year needs to be God. Open up my eyes. God is trying to open up the eyes of the church even now. And the church is dying to get back to sleep. The church is dying to get back to normal. The church is dying to get back to ordinary, but our God is not a God of ordinary. Our God is not a God that keeps doing the same thing for three Thousands of years. Our God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Open up your eyes. Do you not see it? I'm trying to give you eyes to see. That's why He said, Buy from me, I sell because your eyes are messed up. And I speak to the chat tonight. I speak to everybody that has lost their spiritual vision. And I say, It's time to open up your eyes. Come on, pray that right now and share the stream. It's time to open up your eyes, devil. I command you to take the blinders off of every person listening, and I speak that your eyes will be open to what God is doing, your eyes will be open to what how God is moving, that you're not going to go back to normal, average, or the way that things were, but you're going to have eyes that see, and you're going to have ears that hear. The second group was the lame people, the Bible says that they were lame, and this literally means they're unable to walk normally because of an injured leg or an injury. Injured foot understand that the normal Christian walk is a life of the supernatural and when you're not and this is going to be bold to say but I'm going to say it when you're not walking a supernatural life when you're not walking in the supernatural as a normal Christian should be then you are lame we have so many lame lame somebody type it in the chat we have so many lame people in the church That are not walking out what God has called us to walk out. God says, I want you to walk out having a prayer life. I want you to model what it looks like to pray for the sick. I want you to model what it looks like to deliver people from demons. I want you to model, I want you to walk this thing out. But the enemy has made us lame. We are lame believers and we're offering lame sacrifices. But I hear the Lord saying, it's time for you to get your walk back it's time for you to get your miracle power back it's time for you to walk in the assignment and the calling and the plan that God has on your life I wish somebody would help me tonight and say I want to walk out healing I want to walk out deliverance come on somebody I want to walk out holiness I want to walk out consecration I'm tired of being a lame Christian. So many times I look at my own life and I go, Isaiah, stop being so lame. Stop being a lame believer that isn't walking out the fullness of what God is wanting us to walk out. And I thank all of you that say, oh, you're the best preacher I've ever heard. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's the anointing. Trust me. But even then, when people think that I'm at my peak or whatever it is they think, I'm saying, Lord, I want to walk this thing out because there's so many moments where I just feel like my walk is lame, where the enemy has hindered me. The third group is the paralyzed group, and you all know what this means. It means that you're stuck in one place for an extended period of time. Some of you have been in the same place for years, and I'm just going to go ahead and step on some toes here. Have you been in the same place in in your prayer life? Have you been in the same place in your worship life? Have you been in the same place when it comes to witnessing and discipling? then you are paralyzed. Paralyzed people, they stay in the same place for extended periods of time, and they wait for somebody else to pick them up and to take them where God wants them to go. They wait around for a preacher to carry them. They wait around for their husband to carry them. They wait around for their wife to carry them. Husbands, you need to listen to me, because there's a lot of paralyzed husbands in the chat right now, and there's a lot of paralyzed husbands that are ear-hustling as their wives play this on the big screen. Some of you husbands need to stop trying to make your wife spiritually carry you. Let me say that again. Some of you men need to stop letting your wives spiritually carry you. You have allowed the enemy to paralyze you. And it's time to say, I'm tired of being in the same place. Some of you, listen, you've been in the same church for 30 years and you've not grown one bit and you have become paralyzed in the place that God sent you. See what happens when you stay somewhere God sends you for Too long, you become a slave to the place that God sent you. Uh, Most people don't know this, and I'm gonna give you this one for free. Come on, share this. Uh, Most people don't know is that God actually called the children of Israel into Egypt, uh, but the problem was they stayed in the place that God called them for too long, and they became a slave to the place that God called them to. Uh, God says, I called you to Egypt, but I didn't call you to become a slave in Egypt. Uh, And some of you are at a church that God called you to for a season, uh, but you You haven't grown in years and you need a confirmation. This is your confirmation. You are in bondage to that church. And the Lord is saying it's time to get up and find somewhere with life and find somewhere that has hope. So you've been in the same place in that church, the same place in your witnessing, the same place in your walk with God, but God is a God of movement and a God of growth. God is not a stagnant God and God is not a God that stays in the same place for a year after year after year God is saying it's time to get up and move now, what happened to this place, specifically this pool of Bethesda, as this place came became a hangout place for those that were dysfunctional. We know because the Bible says that there was a man that had been there for 38 years and most likely scholars say there were hundreds of others that were there all the time. This literally became a place of dysfunction where the dysfunctional would hang out with the dysfunctional, where the people with no vision would hang out with people with no vision where people that were lame would hang out with people that were lame it was the perfect description of the American church why did everybody gather here because dysfunction is attracted to dysfunction gossipers are attracted to gossipers complainers are attracted to complainers friend if you put a gossiper in a church of 1,000 people sitting on one side and you put a gossiper sitting on the other side of the building if you give those gossipers one they will find each other. Understand that spirits attract. Gossipers are attracted to gossipers. Complainers are attracted to complainers. Those that are living lustful lives are attracted to those living in lust. Spirits attract. Demonic powers find each other. There's people that you've had in your life, you're like, man, this person's just like me in a bad way. But understand it was those demonic spirits functioning in you that found the demonic spirits functioning in them. And in in the same way, the fire is attracted to the fire, the anointing is tr- attracted to the anointing. And understand that these people were all there dysfunctional. And the Bible says they were waiting around. And this is the problem in the church. We are waiting around and we are justifying our dysfunction because we're saying, well, everybody else's dysfunction, it's all good if I'm dysfunctional. I mean, imagine those people sitting around that pool, those lame people saying, man, I haven't walked in 30 years them saying, it's okay. I haven't walked in 30 years either. We could all be dysfunctional together. But friend, I want to tell you, God did not call you to live your life Sunday after Sunday dysfunctional. God called you to walk in supernatural freedom every single day. God did not call you to wait around for someone to come stir your pool. God called you to be active and to be proactive and to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to wait around for someone to pray for me. I'm not going to wait around for somebody to promote me. Come on, share this. I'm not going to wait for someone to witness to my family. I'm not going to wait around for that job offer. I'm not going to wait around for this person to show up. I'm not going to wait around for the husband or the wife or this or that. I'm going to be active. I'm going to be ready. The only thing I'm waiting on is the Lord. See, it's one thing to be waiting on somebody to come do it for you. It's another thing to be waiting on the Lord. And it's time to stop waiting around for that job and go apply It's time to stop waiting around for an angel to change our communities and to do it ourselves. Come on, I'm preaching good tonight. It's time to stop waiting around for that thing to come up and go get it. It's time to stop waiting for your ministry to grow. It's time to stop waiting for those finances to come and get up off your lazy tail and go find a job. It's time to stop waiting for God to do everything for you. As I said last week, the Holy Spirit is not the doer. He is the helper and stop waiting for someone to come stir you you up uh, and start stirring yourself up uh, somebody tonight needs to begin to stir up their own pool uh, i'm not waiting on you to stir me up uh, i'm not waiting on you to fan my flame uh, i'm gonna fan my own flame uh, i could survive without going for an hour and a half church is closed it's all good because they can't close my worship uh, and they can't close my praise i still got a shout on the inside of me uh, i still got a praise on the inside of me I'm not waiting on anybody to come stir me up and to come stir my pool. Now, what they believe, and I'm almost done. Just stay with me. What they believed is that at a certain time, an angel would go stir the pool and an angel and the first person in would be the only person healed. But if you go read the new living, the NIV or any new translation, they took that out because they've come up with the conclusion that the angel showing up and stirring the pool is a complete myth. Okay. Scholars say it didn't happen. It was added later after the original canon. I'm not going to go into theology. If you wonder, do I have a degree in theology? Yes, I do. I'm not going to go into the theology of it. Just know that you're not going to find in John chapter five in the new translations that an angel would come stir the pool. It just talks about the stirring of the water and they would get in because they believe that it was a complete myth. And just because the Bible says that they, an angel would come down and stir the water. What the actual translation says is that this is what they believed. It's not that an angel would come and stir the water. It's that the people believed that when the water would stir that an angel was showing up and so they thought the first and the fastest was the first one to get healed and the Bible says there's all these sick people and Jesus only shows up to one man that was laying there sick for 38 years of all the thousands of people that were probably there only one man makes it into the Bible and I'm telling you God is looking for one person tonight that says God I am so hungry and I am so desperate for a move of God in my life. I'm so desperate for you to touch me. I'm so desperate for you to use me. I've oftentimes thought about this a million times as Jesus stepped over all these people to go heal the one man. I always imagine how many people got stepped over so that Jesus could go touch that one person. I remember the night that I got saved, I said, Lord, why me? He said, Isaiah, because I called so many others and they said no. I stepped over so many that were not willing to leave their comfort. I stepped over so many that were not willing to leave their complacency. I stepped over so many that were not willing to leave their agendas. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to step over me tonight. I want the breakthrough that is promised in the word of God. I want to be that one person that the Lord could look at and say, Isaiah is hungry and Isaiah is desperate. And I'm ready to pour out my anointing tonight. I'm ready to healed tonight as Paul says God specializes in using the lowly and the weak and this man was 38 years lowly and weak some of you say man I've been going through it a long time but I'm telling you 38 years is a long time and after 38 years today was his day today could be the day your kids encounter the Living God today could be the day that you get healed today could be the day that you get delivered today could be the day that That depression breaks off of you. Today could be the day that your eyes get open. I came to tell somebody that you might be the next one in line for a miracle tonight. You might be the next one in line for God to heal tonight. This man had been hurting a while and the Bible makes it clear Jesus knew that he had been hurting a while. Understand that God knows the pain that you are going through. Some of you are sick right now and you feel like you've been forgotten about and you feel like nobody cares. But I came to tell you that the Lord knows the pain that you're going through. The Lord knows the hurt that you're going through. And the Lord wants to heal you and restore you and bring breakthrough tonight. He wants to deliver you tonight. He wants to release a fire on you tonight. This man, Jesus asked this man, would you like to be made well? I'm almost done. Let me finish here. And this seems like a, mean, a, a, a dumb question. Why are you asking me if I want to be made well? Who wants to stay? sick? Who wants to be depressed? Who wants to stay blind and paralyzed and addicted? Why was Jesus asking if the man wanted to be healed? I'll tell you why, because the man did not look desperate. The man did not look like he wanted a miracle. Remember, Jesus had the power to see faith, because faith is not just something on the outside, but faith is something visible on the, it's not just something on the inside, but it's something that's visible on the outside. That's why the story of the layman The Bible says, and seeing their faith, he healed the man. Jesus was able to see the faith on the outside from what they claimed on the inside. And the man did not look like he wanted a miracle. The man did not look desperate. And tonight the Lord is saying, stop being comfortable and waiting for somebody to stir your pool and get hungry and get desperate for me to heal you. Do you want to be delivered tonight? Do you want, your family saved tonight? Do you want breakthrough tonight in your mind and in your spirit? Okay, then get a little bit desperate, get a little bit uncomfortable, and get a little bit willing because I know that if this man was that desperate, he would have drug himself to the pool. And I don't care if I have to drag myself, I don't care if I have to crawl to the altar, I don't care if I have to sit on my knees and bang the ground. I want the move of God and I am desperate tonight. Now, when Jesus asked, the man if he wants to be made well the man's answer is I can't and the interesting part about his answer is that's not even what Jesus asked of course you can't do what I asked only I can and I'm telling you right now I always know I'm on the right track because I never feel like I can do what God is calling me to do see the man didn't answer the yes or no question he responds with I can't and God is asking you to do he's not asking you to do it he's asking if you want him to do it. And the fact that you can't do what God has called you to do is literally proof that God's the one that's called you to do it. If God calls you, you'll never be able to do it on your own. There is nothing that God has called me to do that I've ever been able to do in my own effort. Every time I'm about to hit, go stream and go live. I'm always saying, Lord, I need you. I can't preach without you. I can't pray without you I can't prophesy without you I can't do miracles without you I can't do deliverances without you Lord I need you like I've never needed you before stop telling the Lord I can't and just say yes if the Lord says do you want me to heal your kids just say yes if the Lord says do you want a miracle tonight just say yes that is why if you look at Mary she said let it be unto me all you have to do is say yes Zachary Begin to say, Well, this and well, that. And Mary said, Let it be unto me. Well, Zachariah went mute and Mary got the blessing. You have to just say, Yes, Lord, here I am. I receive what you called me to do and what you want to do in my life. Now, the man's excuse is this I have nobody to help carry me when they stir the pool. Somebody is always faster getting in front of me. And God is telling us tonight to stop blaming other people for your dysfunction. Maybe some somebody did do that to you. Maybe somebody did hurt you. Maybe somebody did break your heart. Maybe somebody did make you sick or put a spell on you. But the Lord is saying, stop blaming other people because the only one that can help you is standing right in front of you tonight. And Jesus is not trying to be your helper. He's trying to be your healer. Let me say that again. The man was looking for Jesus to help him. And Jesus says, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to heal you. I'm not going to carry you to the pool. I am the pool. I am the rivers of living water, and I want to heal you tonight. I want to deliver you tonight. He said, I want you to rise up, pick up your mat, and walk. I want you to get up off the ground. Although a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. I want you to rise up again. I want you to get up off the ground, stop falling all the time, and walk in victory it's time to rise up it's time to be the person that God has called you to be it's time to pick up your mat and walk I believe tonight God is going to do an instant miracle for somebody that's been waiting somebody that's been blind someone that's been paralyzed and somebody that's been lame I believe tonight is your night tonight is your night of healing tonight is your night of breakthrough I'm not waiting on an angel the man came for an angel he got something 10 times better I'm telling you Jesus will far exceed every expectation you've ever asked Jesus will go above and beyond everything that you've ever asked the man came with a bed with his back on a bed and the Bible says he left with a bed on his back and I believe tonight God is saying ditch the bed get rid of your paralyzation Get rid of your comfort zone. Get rid of your place of convenience and get healed tonight. Father, we are asking you, come on right now, all over, just all over through the chat. I just want you to receive this. Father, we're asking tonight that you would heal our eyes, Lord, that we would see like we've never seen before. God, tonight we break off spiritual blindness in Jesus' name. We command spiritual blindness to go. We know that the enemy has blinded the eyes and the mind of the unbelievers. And so, Lord, we pray right now that you would unblind us, God. We pray that you would open up our eyes in Jesus' name, that you would give us eyes to see in the spirit realm, that you would give us ears to hear in the spirit realm realm and father I pray for an outbreak of signs and wonders and miracles tonight I pray by your power and by your anointing that you would release signs and wonders I pray that you would release miracle power in Jesus name God we're asking for those that are lame those that are able to walk out the calling and the assignment you've called them to that lord you would heal those that are lame God Lord let us walk out miracles let us walk out signs and wonders let us walk out these deliverances and let us do and be the people you've called us to be. We break that lame spirit off your people tonight. In Jesus name, I speak over you and say, you will not be a lame Christian any longer. I speak over you and say, right now, God is saying, rise up off that bed, rise up out of that slumber. I speak to those that are paralyzed, that have been in the same place for years. And I speak movement over you in Jesus name. I say, walk in the name of Jesus. I say, walk in the name of Jesus. i break paralysis in jesus name some of you have been in that same dead church for years you've never gone anywhere new done anything new and you've been in the same place in your spiritual life and the lord is saying it's time to begin to walk some of you it's time to grow in your prayer life some of you it's time to grow in your worship life some of you god is saying it's time for you to walk this thing out father help us that we've been lame lord help us if we've been paralyzed help us as we've been blind Father, right now, I pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last week, a girl wrote me said, for years I've been praying. I think she said, 20 years I've been praying to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in tongue. And she said, last Friday, I spoke in tongues for the first time. Right now, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill every person listening with your spirit right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill them with your power. We ask you to fill them with your fire. And we ask you to fill them with your anointing. God, we pray right now for a fresh, baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. You said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So right now we ask you for the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you for a fresh filling. I ask you for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and power right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power and your anointing. I pray over everybody sick in body right now. If you want to just call it out, go for it. Right now, Father, we ask you, those that are sick in body, those that right now are sick, we command healing right now. In the name of Jesus, we speak recovery. I see that, Amber. We speak recovery right now over COVID. I pray for my own father who very possibly has COVID, is very sick right now. I speak healing over him in Jesus' name. I call him healed. I say he is restored in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone in the hospital right now with COVID. I thank you, Lord, that there is a higher power than the power of COVID. And that is the power of Almighty God. And we speak the power of God over you. We bind that power. We bind the spirit of COVID in Jesus' name. And we say be healed and be restored in the name of Jesus. We speak healing over your lungs. We speak healing over your kidneys. We speak healing over your heart. We speak healing right now over your, your muscles, your ligaments, your tendons. In Jesus' name, we say be healed and be restored in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak healing over thyroid now in Jesus' name. We say be healed right now. For the daughter that has COVID, Gabby, I say right now over your daughter that has COVID, be healed in Jesus' name right now. We pray healing. We pray healing in Jesus' name over every person. Listen, I'm not going to be one of those pastors that gets up here and says, oh, it's ho, it's a hoax. It's not real. I can't stand this garbage. I don't believe that. I believe it's a real sickness and people are dying. It's time for the church to rise up and display the supernatural power of God. Right now, we speak healing power. We thank you, Lord, that you have power over the sickness. We thank you, God, that you have power over cancer right now. Father, we ask right now, I just want to pray this over finances. Those that have been been financially struggling in their job, God, at work. We just speak right now, breakthrough over the finances in Jesus' name. We ask God that you would open doors that no man can close and you would close doors that no man can open. Father, we say release financial blessing and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Open up the windows of heaven in Jesus' name. Father, those that have sowed and sowed and sowed, we pray that we would reap in the name of Jesus. Release it, release it, release it now in Jesus' name. Father, we're asking for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to stir up tonight. Father, we're praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to begin to stir right now. Those of you that have been praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we just say stir them up right now in Jesus name, release the gifts of the Holy Spirit, release the power of the Holy Spirit and have your way right now in Jesus name. We ask you in Jesus name, God have your way, have your way, have your way in Jesus name. Gifts of the Holy Spirit stir up right now. I speak healing over you right now. I speak healing Esther over your niece In Jesus name. We command her to be healed. We command her to be healed fever, Eric, we command her to leave now in Jesus name.